Father, you are so good. Um, Lord, you love us so much. You've called us here today for your purposes. We may be here for our own purposes, but you, you have us here for yours. And they are, they're always good. They're always to prosper us and not to harm us. When you show up, Lord, you always come to give and not to take. Uh, you come to set us free. You come to um, show us and lead us and make possible a way for us to uh, live the abundant life that you've called us to, which is life with you, just intimately connected to you for all eternity. And Lord, we, uh, we ask this morning that you would come again and your spirit would fall afresh upon us, that you would make our hearts and ears and eyes and minds that are so prone to coldness and, and hardness, uh, Lord, that you would melt them with your love and your beauty and your goodness, and you'd give us a vision for what you're calling us to, Lord, that you would stir in us uh, your holy affections for you and for your people and for the people who don't know you, Lord. You'd give us a deep love for you, a deep love for your world, and, uh, and an understanding of how you are calling us to partner with you. How amazing is that? You call us to partner with you to do this good work of building your kingdom. And so, Lord, we ask that you would um, come now and, and enable us to hear you and meet with you and be changed by you. And ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good morning. I'm Matt Avery, uh, pastor here at Midtown West, and really thankful you all are here. And in case you don't know this, you're going to die. So have a, a good day. We're done here. Now, we, we got to live in that reality. I don't care what you believe about Jesus. Um, your days here are numbered in this life. Um, you know, at, at most, people are going to live to be around 100 years old, and then it's just, it's over. And I had this experience, it's not the first time I've had this experience this past weekend, I was just thinking about, man, all these things that I thought about when I was younger that I would do, or yeah, one day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to learn how to do this, one day I'm going to get to go here and experience this, um, that's, a lot of those things aren't going to happen. I'm like, yeah, I just, there's things that I've been called to do that take up that time, um, and these other things I'm not going to be able to do, and that's okay. I mean, there is a, a mourning, there's a sadness, but we believe that we are eternal, and so um, we don't have to get all of our fulfillment in this life. But whatever you believe about God, whatever you believe about life, um, this is a question that is, is really um, pressing upon everyone, no matter what you believe, is, is what is worth spending your, your finite days here doing? Um, we all have a, a finite number of days, a finite number of hours, and so what is worth you investing your little life um, into. And so what's going to happen if, if I don't really know the answer to that question, or I don't know where to go to get the answer to that question, what's going to happen is I don't really know what to give myself to. And so I'm trying to find the answer within myself. Well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And what happens is I, I'm filled with regret over things in the past that I wish I had done differently or wish I had invested more time in or wish I didn't invest that time in. And I'm going to be filled with fear about the future going forward. Um, I don't know how to invest my time going forward. And so that leaves me in this state of confusion in the present. And I'm kind of living in this constant low-level anxiety and fog about what am I really, what am I doing here? Um, what, what is the point of all this? What is my purpose? How do I, how do I invest myself wisely um, in this time, in this world, in this life that I have? And so... Um, the Lord is speaking to us about this in this study of Nehemiah that we're doing. It's called Come Let Us Rebuild. 
And uh, this is the story, Nehemiah's story is a story of a man, more than anything else, it's a story of a man who is captivated by a God-sized vision, by a vision for something that is greater than his own life, that is for someone other than himself, um, and that, that that is worth giving his life to. And so we watch as he walks with God, who gives him this vision, who leads him in this vision, who helps him accomplish this vision that he's given him. But it's also a picture, it's a small picture, because Nehemiah is rebuilding the city walls of Jerusalem. And we're not going to go all into it, but if you, if you haven't been with us, um, God's people were cast out into exile. And so they're exiled in Babylon, and then the Persians take over. But now Jerusalem, the city of God, the, the people of God's home, where the temple is, where they meet with God, it, it, it's destroyed. It lies in ruins. And so God puts this vision in Nehemiah's heart to go from the palace of the Persian king, where he is basically second in command, back into the ruins, 1,500 miles away to Jerusalem to rebuild this city. Because back then, how, how can we meet with God if, if the city walls are broken down and there's no security, there's no safety, there's no, no nothing, we have nothing. And so if we can't meet with God, then we don't have anything. And, and also the, the broken down city and the broken down walls were a, a really a picture of the, the state of the souls of God's people. They were broken down. They weren't meeting with the Lord. They did not have this intimate fellowship with the Lord that they were made for. And so God put this vision in Nehemiah's heart to go back and rebuild the city. And so now we find ourselves um, at this place where he's going to put boots on the ground. But before we, we move on, um, just to connect the dots for us, why this matters to us is because we have been called to something even greater than Nehemiah was called to. He was called to rebuild the city. We are called to build the kingdom of God. Because now on this side of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of each one of us, and he has called us to partner with him. How amazing is that, that the God of the universe calls us partner and friend and says, I'm inviting you into the work that I'm doing in this world, not because I need your help, not because you have a power that I don't have, but because I love you so much that I'm, this is what you were made for, is you and I together on mission. And so Jesus tells us that's what we're called to is anyone who's a follower of Jesus, um, we're called to the Great Commission, as, as we call it. Uh, the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells his followers, um, listen, here's, here's what we're to be about. Here's what you're to be about as I go, um, is to make disciples, is for you to follow me to completion, for you to continue into full maturity as you follow me and are transformed and you join me in this mission, and it's for you to gather others and call them to follow me in discipleship, to, to be transformed and to introduce them to me and to walk with them and for you all to walk with each other. And that's really the Great Commission. Our vision statement for Midtown West is just our fleshing out of the Great Commission in this context, in this place, in this small gathering of, of the body of Christ. And our vision statement is we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, to set others free, and to enjoy that freedom together. And I mean, that's, that's essentially this big vision that we are all called to. So this is the God-sized vision that we're all called to. Now, each of us, God has gifted us each in totally different ways uh, as we complement each other as the body of Christ. And so all of your different vocations, whether that's uh, a mom or a career out in the world in the marketplace, or that's both, or that's um, the relationships that you have with the people that live on your street. It's the way that you get engaged with the community of Nashville or West Nashville. Um, whatever it is, the Lord has, 
has called each of us individually to all these fleshings out of this big vision of the Great Commission is to use our time and our talents and our, our love and our heart and our personalities and everything he's given us to bring his kingdom to bear through the way that we love our children, we love our friends, we love those who don't know Jesus, we love uh, people through the work that we do. We do good work for the sake of others, not for the sake of our own benefit. And so in all these ways, we are fulfilling the Great Commission as we bring the kingdom to bear in the lives of the people that are, are touching our lives. Um, so all of this applies to all of us and all these little callings and fleshings out of this vision that God's given us. But because we, if this is your church home, we are all called to build up the body of Christ here in Midtown West. And so that's, that's where I'm going to focus this morning as we talk about, okay, what it is now that Nehemiah, he's, he's gotten this vision from the Lord, he's prayed about it, he's sought counsel, and now he's been set free to go uh, from the palace into the ruins to pursue this vision that God's given him. And, um, and a few things about this God, a God-sized vision like this uh, that we're going to look at today. And the first is um, appreciating the undertaking of a God-sized vision, that this is a major undertaking. Um, verse 11, it says, So I went to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. Jerusalem was 1,500 miles. He, he rode a horse 1,500 miles from the, pa- the Persian palace to the city that was in ruins. And when he got there, it was very important that he rested. Because anything that we are called to that is worth giving our lives to is going to be um, a long and deep and difficult work. And so it's very important that we work at a sustainable pace and recognize the limits that we have. Um, we need to sleep. We need to rest. We need to uh, it reminds me of our, our boys as, as, they were li- as they were younger and learning how to, to hike. We'd take them out to hike, and they would just sprint as soon as we hit the trailhead. I'm like, hey, y'all want to slow down? <laughs> it's a long hike, and then you're going to be complaining. I'm going to be carrying you, and it's not going to work for either of us. But um, it's, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And so Nehemiah knows that. And look, if God's calling me to this, he's going to provide a way. I don't have to hurry into this. And so he goes. He rests three days. But then he also starts to survey the land. It's interesting, the beginning of this book, when the people from Jerusalem come to him and give him the report, he quotes back that exact statement that they told him here, as it says that he went out by night and surveyed the land by himself. He needed to see for himself. He said, I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. It was reported to me like this, and now I wanted to go see with my own eyes, what are we dealing with? This thing that God's called me to put my shoulder to, what, what is actually happening? I and mean, that's like what we did when we were planting Midtown West. Um, it started very small. It started with this vision that Midtown had of we need to plant another congregation. And so, we're, you know, Lee and I were answering that call. The Lord had made it very clear that we were the ones coming to do that work with Midtown. And then we began to be boots on the ground and look around and see what part of the city are, are we being called to plant this church in. And then the next step after it was just us and some staff in Midtown was to gather a group of 20 people to just, hey, let's meet every week. We know nothing. <laughs> we don't know anything about what we're supposed to do yet. So let's just pray every week and ask the Lord to show us because he knows we don't know. He knows the vision that he's calling us to. And so Nehemiah is saying, hey, it, it was not time to tell anybody other than a few people and I went out at night part of that was because he had this opposition already and it was just unwise uh, both because of the opposition and because he didn't really know exactly what he was calling the people to yet so he went out with just a few people and that's that's another uh, important piece for us is when when a God-sized vision is in its infancy 
it's really delicate and it's really important to protect it and to not uh, tell people before it's time. Let me give you a, an example of that. Um, God gave me a, uh, I'm not going to put this on God. I gave myself a vision that um, I wanted to sing for Lee at our uh, reception, <laughs> at our wedding reception. The only people who knew were the wedding coordinator and the band. I didn't even tell my best friends because I was like, if I tell anybody else, they're going to talk me out of it and I'm not going to do it. So I got to protect this vision in its infancy. Um, but that's the same for anything that the Lord's calling us to. I mean, think about a relationship with somebody who, who God has put in your life to, to bring Jesus to. I mean, if you, in your first conversation with that person, you're just going to freak somebody out. Like, hey, I'm, I'm really here to be your friend and introduce you to Jesus, this supernatural God who's maybe going to transform your life. And that's really why I'm here having coffee with you right now. Um, it's just weird. It's not time for that. Um, or, you know, just think about, like, if, if we had started a- a inviting people to, to plant this church with us, of like, I mean, we kind of did that with the, the first people, but, you know, if there's no vision, if we don't really know exactly, like, we didn't know we needed to be in West Nashville, we don't really know exactly what God's doing, it's not time yet to call people into that. And so, so Nehemiah was just being very wise and continuing to assess uh, and appreciate the, the vastness of this vision that, that the Lord has called him to. And it's so important because he needs to know how to involve others in this vision. He needs to know how to invite others into this vision because any vision like this is uh, anything that's worth giving our lives to is not a solo vision. Um, this is a vision that's going to require a community. And so um, that's what we see in these next two verses, um, 17 and 18. And really, I mean, this community... Uh, we don't exist without a vision. We don't really have a community apart from a vision. Is we are a community of people gathered around a vision. If you take the vision out, we're just a, a group of people kind of hanging out. Um, but that's not what the church is. The church is this uh, community of people who are called around this vision that God's given us. And so Nehemiah goes to the people finally. It's finally the time to tell them. And he says, um, then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burns, gates burned. Where here's the deal: um, they didn't see the trouble that they were in. These were the people that lived in Jerusalem. These were the people that they were they lived by those broken down walls all the time for years. And Nehemiah, sometimes it takes fresh eyes to come in and and assess the situation and see it for what it really is. And he's telling them, "Look, y'all, we we are in ruin. This is not how things were made to be. This is." This is not okay, and, and so before anyone can be called to a vision, just like Nehemiah was in the first chapter, you have, to, you have to believe that there's a need. Why would we do this thing that's so hard? Why would I do anything like this if I, first I got to know that there's a desperate need for this? And so he goes to these people and communicates the need, and the same is true for us. For Midtown West, for this, for this body of Christ to exist in the city of Nashville, um, we have to know that there's a need. And it's, it's not just for those who don't yet know Jesus. It's for us. The ruin is in here. The ruin is in here. There, you know, Nehemiah talks about in this passage how um, they're being ridiculed by those who are surrounding them. And, and the cause of the Lord is being mocked. And, I mean, that's what's happening here, too. It's saying, like, look, look at these people who are following Jesus. They're hypocrites. They're unloving. They're addicted to work just like I am. They're self-worshipping. They love themselves more than anybody else. They're driven by money. They're driven by comfort. They're apathetic. They're soul-starved. They don't want to pray. 
They don't know how to pray. I mean, think about, think about that, y'all. If we are the people of God and the way that we commune with God is through prayer, there's so many of us that are raising our hands saying, I don't even know how to do that. It's like, if I don't have that, like, what are we, what am I doing? What are we doing? We feel like we're purposeless. We're just floating, apathetic. We're not hungry for God. We're not expecting him to show up. And so we're just, just kind of like everybody else. So we need freedom. <laughs> we need to be rebuilt. We need freedom in Christ. We need him to come set us free from ourselves, to come set us free from um, our sin and all these things that entangle us and keep our souls from having deep communion with him. And so that's a part of this vision. That's a part of this building vision that he's called us to is for us who are already in this room. But it's all, it is also about the people that are uh, not in this room yet. It's about the people in this city that we work with and play with every day um, who don't know the Lord. And it, it's, uh, it's weird sometimes to, to think about this because we tend not to, but um, this is what's ahead. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says this, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who don't obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Like the people that I encounter every day who don't know him, like that is the future for them. And the Lord is, is putting that in our hearts to stir us to say, hey, hey, like this is why you're here. This is, you're okay. You, you are so okay. You are so loved. It's like Randy said, like the, the waterfall of God's love and goodness and blessing is just f- dumping down, showering blessings all over you. You, you are just fine. Um, and I'm calling you to join me, to partner with me in this work, to go out to gather my children who don't yet know me, who are still separated from me. And this is, this is worth giving yourself to. And so I want to do a little exercise um, because it's important that it, it's, it's not just me, um, it's us. It's a, every single one of us that he's called a, us to this work. Um, I want us to say nice and loud where you can hear each other. Um, just take a minute and say the first name of someone who's in your life, who either you work with or you live next to or you're just friends with who doesn't know Jesus. And I want to do something else. I know this is weird, uh, and we don't have many left, but uh, we've got some chairs in the back there. I'd love if you said a name, um, and I'm going to do it too. Just take one of those chairs and set it out somewhere where there's space. I'm going I'm to give us uh, a minute to do that. Uh, we're called to, to build the kingdom of God, um, to to bring back to re- to be the hands and feet of Jesus as he reclaims and redeems the lives of those who he is calling to himself to say you are my son you are my daughter you are mine um, and I, I'm calling you to myself to give you life to give you this abundant life that you are striving so hard for in all these different ways and you won't find apart from me and so um, that is the need um, we are the need 
and, and those who don't know Jesus are the need, and that's, that's why we're here. This is the vision. This is the gathering of the people to this vision. And so just like Nehemiah here, um, he, he expresses the need, and then he invites and says, hey, come on. Let's go. Let's rebuild. And, and when he says that, it's like, I mean, you've got to appreciate the, what he is calling them to is so impossible. It is so impossible because they are, this city has lied in ruins for forever. They are surrounded by people who are taking advantage of their vulnerable position. And, I mean, think about an entire city that needs to be rebuilt. These people are not professional city builders. They have their own stuff that they've got to worry about. And he is calling them to this. And so what he does when he calls them to this, after he shares the need, is he shares how God's already been working. He's like, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid that this is going to amount to nothing. You know why? Because listen to what God's already done. Look at me. I'm standing here. (laughs) I came 1,500 miles on a horse from the lap of luxury to this garbage dump to rebuild it. Like, I'm standing here. I'm living proof. And if you want to hear something else, think about like King Artaxerxes, the most powerful man in the whole universe. He has written a decree that says, okay, you can force them to stop rebuilding Jerusalem. And now he has reversed that decree and said, no, no, actually, you can rebuild. Like listen to the amazing things that God has already done. And that's true for us too. Think about this. Think about all the different ways in which you found yourselves in this room. I watched as God did this. As we came to Nashville, we didn't know anybody. And, and we're here, and um, I'm moving around and preaching in the different Midtown congregations, and people are coming up to me at the end of the service, like, introducing themselves. Hey, this is my first name, and I'm coming to help you plant your church. This is before we even knew it was going to be Midtown West. We don't know where it's going. I'm like, really? You don't even know me, and you don't even know where this church is going to be. They're like, yeah, it's, I don't know, but God told me, like, I'm, I'm here. I'm like, wow, because I was over here thinking, like, I need to be so cool and so have all this relational capital and, and people like me and be so good at preaching and all this stuff. I'm like, no, you don't have to do any of that stuff. God is calling these people to this work because it's not your work, Matt. It's his work. And so in the pandemic, we grew. Like we planted this church in a pandemic and God added to our numbers. And then we find ourselves in this amazing space that is so perfect for us. It's exactly the kind of space that we prayed for. It was the very first space that we looked at And we got a a no on the front end, and we searched and searched for two years, went all around West Nashville. And and then the Lord said, okay, now it's time, and you're here. And so we're here for a purpose. We're here for what we're talking about. And and we don't don't have to be afraid that our work is in vain. We can, let's go, let's go. Like, this is why we're here. And the Lord, I mean, we have promises all throughout Scripture that, Every single person that he has made his own will be his. So we don't ever have to fear that we're working in vain. We don't ever have to fear that we're loving people in vain and and trying to bring Jesus to people in vain because God said, no, 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 I'm the power. I'm the reason you have hope is that I already know who's are mine and I'm just allowing you to be the vessels to bring them to me because it's fun because I want you to get to be a part of this. I just want to give you a front row seat. I don't need you, but I'm inviting you and I'm calling you because this is good for you. Because this is how I want to work is through my people. And so we can be encouraged at what he's already done and what he is continuing to do. Y'all, we have, we have 132 people, I think it was, in small groups right now. Um, that's like around 80% of our people. That's amazing. Like he's continuing to just do this good work of calling people um, to himself here in this body. 
And so it says that after he shared this vision with the people, this interesting statement here in verse 18, um, it says that the people said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. That word strengthen is to harden. That's like getting a conviction saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I know this is hard, but I'm not quitting. I've decided that this is worth giving myself to. The Lord has put this calling on my heart, and I'm doing this. And nothing is going to deter me. And um, I just want you all to think about, like, that's that's why I talk so much about conviction. Of Like, I, I don't want this place to grow by numbers just to have more people here. That's actually not helpful. That's actually unhelpful because then it gets really confusing of what are we even doing. I, I want the Lord, I want this place to grow because I want the Lord to put a conviction on people's hearts to be a part of this work so that we can join hands and do this together and not be confused about why we're here. And so as you look at these empty chairs, as you think about these empty chairs, as you think about the ruin in your own life and the way that the Lord is going to rebuild us and build us up, and continue his good work that he started in us, um, think about this. Like, what is, what is worth giving your little life to for these, for these days that you have it? Because it, if it's not that, then what? What, what else is going to fill that time? What else is going to fill that head space and that heart space? Is it to lower your, your golf handicap? Is it to be as fit as you can possibly be? Is it to have a, a bathroom remodel so that you have amazing tile in your bathroom floor? I mean, seriously, though, like, we, we got to just stop and think. Again, remember, we're not here forever. And so what, what is worth me spending my time, my, my thoughts, my heart um, for? And so that's a prayer that I pray is that the Lord would strengthen, continue to strengthen me, continue to strengthen Lee and I, and continue to strengthen you and the people that he's called to this work, to this work, because we want to see the kingdom of God um, grow and, and be built and, and, and made beautiful here in West Nashville. And so lastly here, um, these last two verses of our passage, um, verse 19, it says that uh, these couple guys, Sambalot and Tobiah that we've already heard of, and then Geshem, a new guy, um, they jeer at them. They despise them. They say, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They've come to discourage them. They've come to distract them. They've come to oppose them. And something you need to know for this to make sense is that these three men were most likely governors of areas around Jerusalem and literally surrounding Jerusalem. So these three men represent territories all around Jerusalem. And they loved having Jerusalem in ruins. They loved having the people of God vulnerable because they could take advantage of them. It was economically advantageous for them. They weren't afraid of them. They could basically do whatever they wanted to. And now that the Lord has stirred people up to rebuild this city and rebuild these people, they are threatened. And so there is going to be opposition. There's going to be opposition for us. And what these men are saying to Nehemiah and others is, you're so stupid. You are so stupid that you think your God is going to take care of you. Look at the ruins of this place. Look at us. Look at how powerful we are. Look at how weak you are. You're so stupid to think that this goal is going to satisfy you. You're so stupid to leave the palace and come to this dump. You're so stupid to believe that God can transform people and communities like this, and so you should just quit. And, y'all, if you don't think that you're going to face that exact same opposition from a thousand different directions, then you just don't know. 
Because anytime anybody puts their hands to the work of building the kingdom of God in this world, you are going to be strongly opposed. And we talked about a couple weeks ago the, the really deep importance of understanding that opposition does not mean that you should stop. Opposition is not a sign that God is no longer with you. Opposition is not a sign that you just need to quit because you're not going to be able to do it. Opposition is to be expected and to be um, faced, knowing that the power to face it does not come from you. It comes from the one who is with you, the one who is in you, the one who is accomplishing his good work. And so as we do this work, as we are in West Nashville as the body of Christ, and we are reaching out to love one another, as we are, we are asking the Lord to rebuild the ruins in our own souls, as we are reaching out to the, the men and women in this community who we want to see come to Christ and join us and be a part of this family, there are going to be many times where it's going to feel like, um, is anything happening here? Like if you've been a small group leader at all, I, I, you don't even have to tell me. I know you've had that thought. <laughs> As people leave your home every week, what is, what's even happening here? Is this worth doing? Is this significant? Is this a waste of time? Is God with us? Is this foolish? But I love what Nehemiah says here. Nehemiah um, basically breaks it down in verse 20 of like who's responsible for what. He says, look, we don't have to be, we're not the ones that are responsible for being successful. The God of heaven will make us prosper. This is his vision, okay? We didn't come up with this. And this is his vision. We didn't come up with this. So whether this is successful, that's not on our shoulders, that's on God's shoulders. Whether he is going to bring people to himself, whether he's going to rebuild the ruin that he promised to rebuild in our own souls, that's on him. That's not on us. He's the, it's his vision. It's his call. It's his power. It's his results. It's his everything. So what is it, what's left for us to do? We, his servants, will arise and build. We will arise and build. We will do the only thing that is in our power to do. We will get up every time we're knocked down and not stop. We will not be, uh, we will not be deterred. We will not be threatened. We will not be intimidated. We will just continue to stand up, even in the face of failure, in the face of our own sin, in the face of rejection, in the face of pain, in the face of suffering, in the face of whatever is thrown at us, we will continue to build. Why? Because he has strengthened our hearts to this building. He has hardened our hearts in this direction to say, this is the only thing worth giving my life to. And so I'm going to continue to go, and whether I'm successful, whether things turn out the way I hope they will or not, that's on God. But what's on me is to get up and build, and to build, and to build, and to build. It's like when Winston Churchill uh, was calling the people of Great Britain to fight against the Nazis and, and those speeches. He said, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to fight. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to fight at every single place that we need to fight because I'm not going to live in a world that's dominated by the Nazis. I'm not going to live in a new dark world. So I'm either going to fight to make sure that that doesn't happen or I'm going to go out fighting, but I, I will not sit back and live in a world like that. And that is what the Lord has called us to, is to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm not going to keep living like this. I'm not going to keep living with my soul in ruins. I don't even know how to have a relationship with the God that I was made for. No, that's not an option. And I'm not going to sit by and, and not care at all about the person next to me who I love and interact with who doesn't know Jesus. Like, no, I refuse to live in a world like that. So I'm going to go out swinging. I'm going to go out swinging for my own heart. I'm going to go out swinging for theirs. 
and I'm going to trust that it's the Lord who's on my side. And the last thing that he says here, which again is, is so good for us to know the authority that we, we build under, is he tells these, these men, you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. And that's important for us to know too. He had a written document from the king that said, rebuild. You have all the authority in the world to rebuild. And guess what? We do too. We have this. And what this says is we are God's. All of his children will be his. He's called us to this work. He will be with us every way. He will not leave us. When Jesus um, shares the Great Commission, he says, um, all authority is in, has been given to me, and I will be with you to the very end. You don't ever have to be afraid. And so as we work under that authority, we can tell all the opposition without and within um, to be gone, to shut up. That there is no, you have no claim here. All the voices inside that tell me, like, who are you, man? Like, who are you to share the gospel? Who are you to, to represent Jesus to people? Who are you to stand up here and preach and say, this is what God says. Look at you. Look at your life. It's like, no, no, no. Shh. The Lord, I, I'm not in myself. I'm not able to do that in myself. But he has called me. And he's going to give me the power. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do to make this happen. And the same is true for us as we go out into his world uh, with his word for the sake of his people. And we're to encourage one another. Um, hey, it sounds like you're listening to the opposition. <laughs> remember, remember who you are. Remember who's with you. Remember who's with us. Like, you're not alone in this. Think about this, y'all. Jesus is, um, he was the wisest, most loving, most excellent human who's ever walked this earth. And, it, and so if you're looking for something to lay your life down for, he's, he's over here waving, saying, hey, it's this. It's this. That's what I, that's what I laid my life down for. And so, that, so that the sons and daughters of God could be redeemed and brought back to him. Um, it, it's worth it. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have to come up with your own thing to do. Just, just come over here. Like, you know, this is, this is it. This is a, a very wise way to invest your days and invest your little life and so um, I want to make one one plug as we close here one one fleshing out of that is our groups um, we believe that the Lord meets us in a special way as we gather together with you know the, the three things that the Lord uses to transform us and and change us and love us are um, the Holy Spirit his word and his people and all those things are present in our small groups and so it can be intimidating, um, it can feel futile, it can feel like nothing's happening, um, but, but those are very powerful places. And so if you're somebody who's never experienced that before, um, just ask the Lord to give you courage to go for it. Um, and if you're a small group leader or an apprentice and you struggle with, like I have from time to time, believing that, that something is really happening here, keep going. Just know that you don't have to create the results, that the Lord is doing it. He has called you to the building um, and he will bring the results. So the good news is, y'all, we have a, a long road ahead of us. It's a, a vision that's going uh, ex to extend beyond my lifetime and your lifetime. Um, but the Lord has called us in this little time, in this little place in West Nashville to be about building his kingdom. And um, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why we call it an adventure. 
but uh, I can tell you that it, it is worth um, banding together and giving our lives for, and I'm thankful that he's called you here to this place to, so that we can do it together. Father, uh, we love you, and uh, we long to love you more. Uh, we, we love um, each other, and we long to love one another more, and, and we love those who don't yet know you. Um, and Lord, we long to love them more. Lord, help us to uh, just experience with you how loved we are by you so that we can go out, um, as Randy said in the baptism, and just um, be looking for people to love and not looking for, not needing something. But uh, we are free now. Uh, we are being set free and we are being used by you as you set others free. And we are enjoying that freedom together in this body that you've called us to. And we are thankful uh, that you've called us to this. And so uh, strengthen us, empower us, embolden us, uh, give us courage, give us um, everything we need as we go with you. In Jesus' name, amen.